2: I can't even begin to tell you how satisfying it is that the first real move of the offseason, the one that we've been waiting for, the domino to fall, was the Phillies stupidly overpaying for a catcher when they could have just signed a catcher months ago. Yasmani Grandal signed for one year and like $8 million. Alex, I'm thrilled. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Bobby. I'm coming in with real baseball analysis in this episode. I'm not going to be a ridiculous child. Like we usually are, I'm coming in with the hot takes. Uh, yeah, you are. I'm ready to and do two so... hours of Philly sports drive time radio. What are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? So, uh, so, so, grade the trade for me. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I literally went on a rant last week to all anyone who would listen, which was like three people, about how grading trades is is dumb. And saying like who won the trade deadline for the NBA, the, you know, the other league that (laughs) we talk about a lot is like the most arbitrary, like not worthwhile thing, especially to do on a podcast. So now that we got that out of the way, I am going to grade the trade. I would say like a C, C, C C plus. Really? Yeah. Are you saying that it should be higher or lower? Well, I guess like it depends
0: on the perspective. I thought, I mean, I guess overall I thought it was fine. I guess it, it depends on the perspective of the trade. For the Phillies. I,
2: I would give it like a B plus or an A minus. <laughs> like I thought it was good. <laughs> We've chalked our way around no news for so long that now that we actually have news we're like I, uh, we're like, uh, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's why I'd say C plus. And right. if you came for the socialist content it's coming later. Don't worry. Uh <laughs> They traded away prospects for what they could have just signed for free. Why did they do that? I mean, they got the best catcher in the league, but he's the best catcher in the league marginally. He's maybe like a win better than Grandal, which is not nothing, but it's not two of your best prospects, right? Um, I
0: guess. I mean, we start then. Then you start getting into like concepts, like surplus value and <laughs> they get like kind of kind of weirdly anti-labor but I don't know giving up two prospects versus spending like 18 million on a year for a, a year of grand all like I don't know I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if the question is like trade for real Mudo or sign Grandall, it feels like kind of a wash I guess like mm. yeah they should have just signed it grand all but like also so should it, like
2: 28 c- other teams.
0: Yeah, exactly. Also they should sign Harper and I really
2: hope they do. How dare you? Um, I know, I'm sorry. I'm betraying you already. My Philly accent is about to come out, but I feel like a conflict of interest because <laughs> it's like weirdly pro-Phillies in this situation.
0: <laughs> I mean, the the Phillies are on the cusp of a playoff push. I mean, they are going to make a playoff push this year, and and they are not the best team in the NL by any means, but like, they just traded for arguably the best catcher in baseball, and so you give up two prospects to do that and give yourself a chance for the NL East?
2: Like, That's fine. I'm good with that. That sounds good to me. Fine. That's fair. I just would have rather... I enjoy that the Phillies are just overpaying for things. That's just me. That's just me. No, when that's it's- not... This is this is Drive Time Radio Bobby. You can't agree with me and say that's fair. You have to come at me with heat. <laughs> I always come with heat, Alex. Uh, so true. Especially in the same off season that the Mets did a smart thing, signing Wilson Ramos, whom I adore. You have to look at it through the frame of I'm a Mets fan and I don't care about anything else. <laughs> fair. Um all right, we're going to get to a couple things. Later in the episode, we have an interview with Emma Bachelary, who is a baseball writer at Sports Illustrated. She wrote an article about about how players have been using social media to leverage leverage the conversation around the lack of free agent signings. Um, and it was a great piece. It's in the description below if you want to go read it before we talk to her later in the episode. Uh, but first, we have a couple things to get to. Um, but before we do that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley, and this is Tipping Pitches, the podcast that doesn't think that all the rules in baseball need to be changed. What is going on?
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, uh, there was news that came out this past week that like a bunch of proposed rule changes, uh... Actually, first we'll get to the, the not quite rule change, but, um, change that actually was implemented, which was the disabled list is now the injured list. Oh yeah, I forgot which, about this. Which is cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, if you strain your hammy, you're not technically, you're not a disabled person. No, you're not. So as far as, uh, inclusion goes, which baseball is notoriously not very good at,
2: uh, it's one small step um <laughs> let's uh let's take this and we're gonna put it in the bucket that we put the uh the indians getting rid of their racist logo <laughs> you don't yeah, get exactly. congratulated for doing something that everyone knew you should have done
0: yep we're just gonna we're gonna put this on the fridge with all the other nice things that you've done um but other larger uh rule changes proposed were things like a universal dh nope um A, (laughs) Which obviously we endorse here on the podcast. Both Bobby and I, we're were on the same page about this one.
2: I hope that there's somebody else in the room with you because you just said we, and that doesn't include me. So if there's somebody else in the room with you, maybe Gab, maybe someone that I can't see because we're in separate places, then you can say we. But if there's not, then I... Don't speak for me, dog. Come on. <laughs> don't, we're gonna have a fight like those those two announcers who were working together with for the White Sox or, or the Tigers. I think it was the Tigers yeah. where they fought yeah, each tigers, other. Yeah. Uh hope they're doing okay with each other and themselves. But uh don't make me don't make me fight you over a, a chair like they did. Yeah, so true. While we record on opposite coasts. I will come to the East Coast just to fight you over the Universal DH. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I I guess Manfred also proposed a three batter minimum for pitchers, which was, uh, is a response to a problem that was not a problem until like one game in the playoffs last year. And then they were like, Oh, this is apparently the biggest issue in baseball is pitching changes and pitchers coming out after like one or two batters. Obviously, that's at the top of fans' list of gripes with the game, right? It's not the cost of a ticket. It's not the cost of beer. It's definitely not the cost of anything. It's um, the pitcher who comes in to face two batters, uh, not three.
2: I agree with that sentiment. I just disagree with the universal DH. Let's get back to that. <laughs> oh yeah, You want to harp on this a little bit more? No, I'm just kidding. Um, three batter minimum is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's addressing a symptom and not cause is that how that phrase goes I think that's how that phrase goes it's addressing a symptom of the problem and not addressing the actual problem there we go yeah Um, yeah nicely done (laughs) clearly the problem here is that Rob Manfred is obsessed with pace of play and doesn't realize that the dwindling viewership which isn't even a problem because we're selling the rights to watch baseball for billions of dollars as we talked about earlier in this offseason I think clearly the problem is we're having a hard time making people interested in players. And if you were interested in players, you wouldn't have a problem spending time with them, spending longer than three hours with them, especially in a sport which, as I've spoken till my face is blue and we've beaten this dead horse over and over again, it's a really second screenable sport. And I think it really works for where media is at right now and where streaming is at right now. I mean, you're not going to watch like Marie Kondo at the same time. You, you like that reference for the kids right there? I'm hip. You're not going to watch... That was
0: good. You are hip.
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm watching Mad Men right now, so take me back to 2008. Uh, I'm watching
0: The Sopranos. So
2: Nice. Wow, we suck. Uh, yep. You're not going to like be watching Netflix at the same time that you're watching baseball, but you will be scrolling Twitter, and ideally, that's probably what they want, right? Or at least that's what their social media presence would lead you to believe that they want because they're tweeting out like, Gifts and highlights and plays. And this is the something the NBA does where they start a thread of the highlights from each game and it just recirculates and recirculates and stays on the timeline because they know that there are people watching at the same time that they're second screening. And if baseball would just lean into that, then things like the three batter minimum would just be a non-starter because you know, nobody would even think that it was necessary. It just feels like a, an overreaction to a vocal minority in you know like Yankees fans who didn't like that Joe Girardi took the starter out in the 5th inning like we're not actually addressing the problem here right you're not going to cut that much time off the game
0: yeah i and that's what a lot of these rule changes are they just kind of feel like course corrections for problems that really are not what fans or players uh really care about i mean we're not going to go through all of them one by one, break them down. But like other proposals are the ones that we've talked about before, which are like the pitch clock or reducing the number of mound visits, which like the league wants to move down to six to four and then to three. And they want to place the runner on second base to start extra innings beyond the 10th inning and in spring training games and the all-star game, which like why who cares at all? Um, and then they want to expand the roster a little bit and then reduce expanded roster. I don't know. There's a lot of
2: like meddling Shout around the edges Shout out to expanded here. roster, Kelly Wallace. Go yeah, follow true. that on Twitter and read their local content or recent content. <laughs> uh, anyway, continue.
0: It's like this is all stuff that's just nibbling around the edges and not really getting to the point of the game, which is that it's really inaccessible. And the thing that's going to attract more fans is not going to be um, the fact that there are only five mountain visits instead of six. Like, that that's not going to convince someone who's like, you know, I was kind of on the fence about baseball cuz the games are really long, but when I learned that the manager couldn't walk out there for a sixth time, then I was really on board. Like <laughs> make it so that your people can actually go to your games or consume your content on social media, yeah. which baseball makes it insanely hard to do so hard for to like do. other people to uh, put up content. Like one would think that you you actually want this grassroots kind of grounds well of quote-unquote content creators around your sport but instead you want to gatekeep all of it and make it insanely (laughs) pricey to consume all of it and then you wonder why people don't
2: give a shit about your sport anymore so yeah one of the most frustrating things that they've done is crack down on social media on people reproducing their content that's one thing that i mean so many like media columnists and types have talked about this, but that's one thing that the NBA did really smartly and the NFL finally has come around on. But baseball is still lagging behind a little bit. I I can think of only a few prominent examples where they've kind of contracted with people. There's Pitching Ninja. um, That's really the only one that jumps to mind recently. And we talked about that story at length when it happened. But they would be wise to let people make like bird box style memes about their players. (laughs) <laughs> and I hate to yeah. be like, all of the world is content now, but all of the world is content now. And even, even people going to see your games is content because when was the last time you went to a baseball game and you didn't take a panoramic photo and post it on your Instagram? wow call out i mean i do it too i'm saying if i could use the royal we like you did for the universal dh for me which is something that i just don't support i'm just telling facts here alex we're back to talk radio Uh, this is first take now um obviously baseball is not like clamping down on people posting on instagram and stuff like that but i think leaning into that like content creation would serve them well but that's all stuff that we've said before And we don't need to waste too much more time talking about this um, because we have a good interview coming up uh, that we hope you stick around for. But before we get to that, we should note at least that Frank Robinson, who was the MLB's first black manager and was the only player, this is wild, the only player to be named MVP in the NL and the AL, he died this past week, um, just a few days ago before the weekend and we wanted to talk about that briefly talk about where the managerial position stands as it goes as it pertains to people of color and just kind of talk about the insane career that he had and i think kind of gets forgotten
0: yeah so he was 83 years old and we i feel like we don't always talk about former players or managers who pass away just because it happens it's a part of life and we want to I, I don't know i feel like we can we can really easily get uh dragged down with that but it's also an opportunity for us to uh celebrate some of the incredible achievements that these people had and and Frank Robinson I mean really just had such a wonderful and unique career and i can't say that firsthand because Obviously, neither you nor I was alive for literally all of his career. Um, but you know, triple crown winner, uh, two time MVP, 14 time all star that's insane. I'm not just gonna sit here and read off like his accolades because, <laughs> yeah, they're too that's long. That's not interesting. <laughs> um, but uh, also an Oakland boy, um, so. I had to slip that in there. Shouts out to him. Uh, and like you said, uh the first black manager, and that's obviously you can't just like reduce his biography to that because he was so much more than that. but it's especially, I think weighty when you look around MLB right now, uh you know twenty or thirty years later, and still the there's what one black manager in baseball right now, Dave Roberts. And mm-hmm. like the rest have been kind of pushed out. And I think for a sport that supposedly has come a long way and likes to celebrate Jackie Robinson, Jackie Robinson, whose uh, birthday was actually just a few weeks ago, I think, um, likes to celebrate, you know, him and breaking the color barrier and all of that. You look around and it's like, you know, we still, you don't, you have not come as far as you would like to think. Especially when we talk about something like representation, like that matters, not just on the field, but like in the dugout too, the people calling the shots, um, or someone in the broadcast booth calling the game. Like these are, I think, issues of representation that sometimes get glossed over just because we take them for granted, but. <laughs> like that shit's hard. Um, especially yeah. in a sport that when in 2018, 2019, we're talking about players with tweets um gloating about white supremacy, mm-hmm. white supremacy. Uh shouts out to Frank Robinson, I guess. True trailblazer. And I although we have not come as far as I think that any of us would like to see, the I think that the hope is that in, in the years to come, his legacy will will live on and inspire others to kind of make that same jump.
2: Yeah. You hope that like the stories like these like this, the amazing obituaries, you hope that they don't get obscured over time and you hope that it doesn't become like a, the way that MLB sort of celebrates Jackie Robinson, which I think that yeah. maybe we should go a little bit into detail this year since we, we kind of have just talked about it briefly multiple times throughout the history of the pod. Uh, and while we're on the subject, our dear
0: friend of the pod, Bill James, whose Twitter name is Bill James online. Same. Which like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I
2: Big was mood. recently floating to you just a little, this is a personal corner. Uh, I was recently floating to you that I was thinking about changing my Twitter name. Maybe I should have scoped out Bobby Wagner online. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm going to change mine to Alex Baisley, like at Alex Baisley, Twitter. Nice.
0: Uh, Bill James came in, With the really just unnecessary tweets. I mean, that's his persona. But like, day that Frank Robinson passes away, (laughs) comes out and well actuallys his MVP award in 1966. So he tweets, no other context, (laughs) by the way. Baseball Reference War insists that the most valuable player in the AL in 1966 was not Frank Robinson, but Earl Wilson, a pitcher who was 18 and 12 with the 3.43 ERA, one point better than the league ERA of 3.44. Look it up. No offense, just thought I would mention it. He's like the kid at the sleepover who uh, people are people are talking about like we've had like such a fun time tonight and it's like 1201 and the kid's like, actually <laughs> it's tomorrow now.
2: <laughs> it's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> Billy, go home. You call Bill's Bill James's mom. Can you come pick Bill up? We're sick of this guy. <laughs> Bill James lives his life like anytime I can talk about war, I'm going to unnecessarily tweet about it even though none of you asked. And it's like, on one hand, I'm like, maybe I should just mute him. On the other hand, I'm like, I love to watch people be unnecessarily triggered online. And in this instance, it actually came on literally the day that someone passed away when you could talk about almost anything else. There's a number of things in the world that you could have talked about that you chose not to talk about. And um, this is what he was tweeting about. He was trying to own the quants and honestly (laughs) you have to kind of respect it (laughs) before we move off Frank Robinson and get to our interview with Emma um, I want to shout out Christopher Dobstaff uh, for a listener email how about that Alex you put out the call hell yeah at the beginning of the year and Christopher answered the call shout out Christopher not only not only beginning of the year we do it on like a weekly basis and have for months and months and never gotten a response you don't need to make us sound more desperate than we are um (laughs) uh he he wanted to bring to our attention an obituary that he had read in the Sacramento Bee shout out to the Sacramento Bee I love local newspapers um and they do great they do great Sacramento Kings coverage just if you, if you're a, if you're a basketball fan go read about them um
0: take a take a shot every time either you or I says shout out to blink <laughs>
2: <laughs> please don't do that uh take a shot every time we talk about basketball (laughs) Um, Christopher shared this passage um, that particularly stuck out to him aside from all the accolades that you just so expertly listed he shared one of the memorable moments for Robinson came when he went to the mound to take pitcher Jim Barr out of the game this was when he was a manager Barr dismissively flipped the ball to Robinson and began walking toward the dugout An agitated Robinson quickly spun bar around and with finger wagging chewed out his pitcher on the field. So a few things here before we get to Christopher's question. Um, Can you imagine like a manager just like putting hands on a player in this day and age, like, and turning him around like that? I think, I don't know something. I think that would lead every sports center for like a few days at least because it's, because it's baseball. If it was basketball or if it was football, it would lead Center for like a week. Um, shout out to, to <laughs> Frank Robinson laying the smackdown. Um, and then Christopher says, this got me thinking, what player would you love to see shoot out by his manager on the field in 2019? He said, first one that comes to mind, and he stole both of ours, but shout out <laughs> to him, uh, is Trevor Bauer. But that's just because I like seeing him called out on all of his bullshit. So Alex, I will open the floor to you. Who would you like to see shoot out by his manager and why?
0: Please, in the year of our Lord, 2019, give me Craig Council chewing out Ryan Braun <laughs> after, after not running out like a pop-up or a ground ball uh, to first place. <laughs> that would be... That would just that would make my day, especially because like I can vividly recall like I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I can vividly recall like those images of him like getting frustrated at his teammates in the postseason last year, and like throwing his hands up in the air and being like, "Oh, like come on, like why did you make this base running error or whatever?" And it's like, my guy, sit down, shut up, Mm -hmm. take
2: take a chill pill. Deplete, yeah, I I would love to see him get chewed out on the field. I'm going to start yelling, play the game the right way at dudes that are talking about playing the game the right way. <laughs> 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 that's a good one. That's a good one. TBT to live on the podcast when I convinced you that he was an asshole. And you were like, I don't know. I feel like he's just a normal guy. And I, that's my you impression. Did you like that? And <laughs> yeah, That was a good impression. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, remember that time he lied about using PEDs and then ruined the PED tester's career? I remember that time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who do you want to see get chewed out? Madison Bumgarner. (laughs) My very own, the ace of my secondary team, my side team for 2019. Shout out Austin Zimmerman, former and future guest of the podcast, spring training expert. Madison Bumgarner sucks, can we all agree on that? I mean, like why don't we we don't need to pretend he sucks. He's good at baseball, <laughs> but he sucks as a person a lot. That's okay. You can have guys in your team that suck as people. The Mets have had plenty of them and continue yeah. to employ several um in the year of our Lord twenty nineteen as you said so expertly, I would love to see Madison Bumgarner, who just recently was in the media, talking about how he would. I guess walk out, walk all the way out of the stadium. Weird, weird flex, but okay. Walk all the way out of the stadium if Bruce Bochi, the Giants manager, tried to employ the opener tactic with him. So it tried to put in a reliever for one inning before Madison Bumgarner's start. To that, I say, you're a clown. <laughs> your masculinity is fragile. And I want to see you get yelled at by your manager to the point where you literally, like a child, take the ball and go home which is what you suggested to the media <laughs> like semi unprompted i mean he was asked about it but like my guy it's february you need to just like chill out <laughs> um yeah i just i just don't like
0: his face and i wish i had a better analysis but like uh, it's like 80% his face <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah you need a you need a good talking to, my guy yeah it's just just do less do less yeah um yeah, do less Madison Bumgarner.
2: all right that's funny that's funny on this shout out Christopher Dobstaff thank you for listening thank you for the question if you have a question hit us up tippingpitchespot at gmail.com we're gonna take one quick break when we come back I'm a bachelor of sports Illustrated
0: I never said I'd be all right. all right so it's been a while since we've had a guest on this show bobby but we are breaking that cold streak with a very special guest joining us now is emma bachelary a baseball staff writer for sports illustrated emma thank you for joining us
1: Uh, Happy to be able to break the guest list streak. I'm honored.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we are having you on primarily because of an article that you wrote recently, uh, I guess this past week, about how some of baseball's biggest stars are speaking out on social media about basically labor issues and the fact that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado aren't signed now in the middle of February. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the most important social media post from a baseball player that I'm seen in a long time, which is Marcus Stroman's picture of his puppy that he just got today named Shugo. Have uh, you seen yes. this?
1: Yes. Uh, and that one stood out to me, not only because he's holding this adorable puppy, but he's also wearing a Duke hat because he went to Duke. I went to Duke. Very few Duke alums in uh, baseball. So Great picture for me personally on multiple levels. But yes, the dog is incredibly cute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's, uh, I think, automatically the baseballs or uh, our pod's favorite baseball player. If you're if you post pictures of yourself with a dog, right, Bobby?
2: Yeah, it just rotates between the last person to post a cute dog. (laughs) We're very easy to please here. As I said, your article
0: um, was about, you know, baseball players speaking out on labor. Do you kind of just kind of want to um, give us the the gist of that and what we've seen over the last month or two as more and more people are talking about how baseball's financial system is basically broken?
2: Yeah, and kind of just like what made it reach the threshold where you were like, oh, this is the story of this offseason, like this is a piece that I need to write.
1: Yeah, well, it just seemed like over the last uh, couple of weeks, I guess, really last month and a half now, really more and more players seem to be tweeting and Instagramming about this and not just saying Harper and Machado should be signed, these good players, you know, should have a home by now, but openly saying this system is broken, this isn't good, something has gone wrong here. Which felt a lot more explicit, I thought, than anything we'd seen in a while. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, this is the First time that baseballs really reached a high tension labor moment where players have this platform and this ability to speak totally directly and candidly without a the filter of outside media with Twitter and Instagram. That you know, certainly the last time baseball went on strike in 1994, there was nothing resembling this. Um, And this year, last year, this is kind of new for baseball to be in this moment of high tension between players and owners and a system that increasingly feels a little broken and for them to be able to speak about it without the filter of the media coming in between. So yeah, after it just felt like we'd seen so many players tweeting, speaking out, you know, Evan Longoria had a pretty provocative Instagram post. There was a Dallas Keuchel tweet, a Jake Arrieta tweet, Uh, decided to look at it a little more closely.
2: Uh, You mentioned just now, and then also in the piece you outlined really nicely I think social media definitely has provided that direct line between fans and players. like they're literally for better or for worse, in the players' mentions all the time, and some players respond well to that and some others that will remain unnamed, but we've talked about a lot on the show in the past respond terribly <laughs> to that. Um, I'm just wondering at the same time though, I think it's really hard for people to internalize what they see on social media versus the virality of like a quote to the media at a press conference. Um, something about that f- still for some reason feels a little more weighty to me and in baseball which is a sport that as we've seen over the last forever has de-incentivized players from speaking out do you have a sense of like what what happens when the sort of backlash comes meaning like what happens when the um, just put your head down crowd turns out or what happens when the play the game right the right way and shut your mouth crowd kind of turns out and there's sort of a divide within locker rooms. Have you seen players talking or worrying about that at all?
1: I haven't seen that expressed explicitly, but I know that divide is certainly there. I'd be interested to know exactly how it breaks down among, you know, older and more established veterans versus younger players who are maybe more comfortable with this idea of personalities should be here. Players should feel enabled to speak out. Um, So Yeah, I I certainly think that's there. I think that you can sometimes trace the lines of that through what players are saying more subtly about the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's not something I've looked at in particular, but I think that's there for sure. And I think, um, especially with them presenting as a union, you want to present a united front there. And I think that that does have the capacity to be something that, could pose a problem later on, you know, if yeah. when players are all speaking out individually, that, that's not speaking out as a group. And there definitely is the potential for something to break out there that uh, wouldn't necessarily be great for all of the interests of the players collectively. So, yeah, I don't know.
0: Certainly, like Bobby said, if you like dip into the mentions of pretty much any player who tweets about um, labor issues, about how players should get paid, uh, you inevitably get dozens and dozens of fans, hundreds of fans who tweet about how they already make too much money and why does this matter? And you should stop complaining, you know, put your head down and play, whatever it is. Um, This is something that we've talked and pondered a lot about on this podcast. And I'm just curious what you think about why fans across all sports, but especially in baseball tend to fall in line with, ownership so much, why that seems to be kind of the the default for fans to just be like, you know, suck it up, play. Um, it's always the, the player's fault, essentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that that idea has been around forever. Like, even before free agency was established, there is this idea that, like, the public opinion, they did some polling at the time, like when Kurt Flood was getting started with his court case, that the general public opinion was that pursuing free agency was ridiculous. And why would players think that they needed that sort of ability to get paid fairly? Um, And so, yeah, you see the lines of that thinking carry on straight on to today and it's not new at all, but it does feel a little baffling that, you know, to simplify it to the easiest tagline, millionaires versus billionaires. Why would people be more likely to side with the billionaires when obviously most of these people are a, far further away from being a billionaire than a millionaire when you're talking about the average fan. (laughs) Um, In that sense, it doesn't really make sense to me at all. And yet it's been like this for so long. And I think part of it might be that, you know, so many fans grew up so attached to baseball. They wanted to play baseball. They thought of this as the idea of playing baseball seems like a reward in and of itself to have that be your job rather than, you know, going into a cubicle every day.
2: Yeah. That's Um, a really good point.
1: Yeah. And so just the idea that That's a reward in and of itself that, you know, owning a team isn't, which seems ridiculous even to say, but that's the only thing I can think of from a, from that perspective. But yeah, it's been around forever and I don't really understand it personally, but yes, you see it in your, as you're right, every single time a player speaks out about this, the mentions are just loaded with that. And uh, I, the ones who take the time to respond to some of them, have my respect because I personally don't know if
0: I would have the patience. Well, and you mentioned that millionaire versus billionaire and you're right. Like I saw that exact line thrown out in some of these mentions and some of it I couldn't exactly disagree with because someone's like, you know, like millionaire versus billionaire, like I can't even afford to go to games anymore. And it's like, that's, you're kind of right in a sense. Like there, maybe there are bigger issues for the overall health of the sport obviously um the the biggest issue is just owners kind of sucking up all of this money and everyone is affected by, by that players and fans um but in a sense part of me understands why as a fan you're just kind of like i just want to be able to to watch the game right like why you why are you complaining about this when tickets are, you know, 150 bucks for me to sit in the bleachers at Yankee stadium or something like that?
1: Yeah, that's a big part of it. Like fans have lots of areas of discontent at the moment and it's really easy to look at, Hey, ticket prices have gone up so much over just the last five years. Of course, if, from that perspective, it can be frustrating to see players wanting to talk about getting paid even more. But of course, when you drill it down a little further, you know, they've shown that there's not really a correlation between a team's payroll and their ticket prices that if they're paying less on uh, the roster, they're not going to be lowering their ticket prices. Um, But that takes more time and research to see. And the visceral reaction is going to be, of course, you're frustrated. And I think that's definitely something that needs to be addressed across the board. Like this is all cohesive, interconnected problems, um, but it makes sense why fans are frustrated and why they make that connection, I think.
2: So there's this line in your piece that stuck out to me where you write, much of the resulting conversation remains on what players might have lost over the last few years, namely consistent expectations for a compensation system that has long been built on free agency. I think like that's the thing that sort of gets obscured in a lot of this conversation is that the way that the system is built now, players have less of an argument to make when they actually come time to make their money because they're not as good as they used to be. And teams are like, well, why would I pay you more for your worst years? Well, on the other hand, the players are getting paid less for their best years. I don't really have a great sense because I sort of get isolated like in my circles of Twitter and friends and and fellow fans and stuff. I don't have a great sense of how many people really understand that sort of inverted compensation system that you reference. Do you have a better sense of that? And I guess further than that would be the next question would be how do players message that to fans, to the media, even in arbitration over the next contract, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's definitely complicated. And I think you're right. I think a lot of fans don't really fully grasp how this works, that it is pretty different from every other major professional sport to have this long before you hit free agency. Um, And to have such a radically different Radically huge gap between what you're going to be paid even as you know the best most elite twenty three or twenty four year old and what you can possibly make uh once you're in free agency so yeah, I think it it is hard to kind of really drill it down and explain how for a while there really was this kind of unspoken agreement almost that you're going to be drastically underpaid for you know the first chunk of your career and then probably um in the sense of like dollars per more in terms of money per production a little mm-hmm. bit overpaid for the next chunk um which it, it's kind of a weird setup um yeah and the, there's not a easy path for like clear simple messaging there which i think because of that the, there might be a more reliable path in trying to overhaul the entire system breaking all of this down rather than, you know, just trying to address the free agency part of it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how you do that, uh, but (laughs) I think that might be a better place to start. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What's striking to me about this is that not only are players kind of explicitly speaking up about issues within baseball, but this is really the first time that I can think of that we're seeing players kind of en masse taking a stance on something verging on a political debate, right? Baseball players are notoriously silent when it comes to issues surrounding a lot of, um, I don't know, socio uh, ideas and, and waves. So do you think that this perhaps open up, opens up doors for players to be more vocal on other grander societal issues down the road? Or is that just kind of wishful thinking and we need to wait for, um, internal like locker room attitudes to change before we see that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I I think it could have the capacity for that down the road, but I think probably the immediate impact, uh, won't be something quite like that just because I think, you know, like it's not necessarily safe for them to talk out about this because obviously this is complex stuff that directly affects them and their careers. But I think it can feel safer when this is an issue where they have united interests. This is something that affects all of them as baseball players. Um, So in terms of like a cultural or cultural social environment, I feel like, yeah, in that sense, it's, Easier to speak out on something like this where they're directly affected in a way that's very obvious to everyone, rather than some more extended, more clearly political stuff that um I don't know. It would be cool to see some more guys uh interested in speaking out in that sense, but I'm not sure if this is necessarily gonna herald uh the coming of something like that right away.
2: Who sort of got the ball rolling in this rash of tweeting against was it that Longoria post that was really the one that Sparked everyone else.
1: I think the Longoria one seemed to like got the most attention, but Sean Doolittle had been going for a while before that with smaller ones, I think. Yeah. Um, Love,
2: love of my life. (laughs) (laughs) He's a podcast favorite of ours.
1: Oh yeah. He's great. Yeah. On Twitter and otherwise. So uh, (laughs) on Twitter uh, and
2: on the field and the important parts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We,
0: um, yeah, you, like you mentioned, Sean Doolittle has been tweeting about this for a while. Today, uh, Justin Verlander tweeted out a, tweeted out a tweet, I guess, <laughs> um, <laughs> that got a, that actually got a lot of traction about how a hundred free agents are left unsigned and the system is broken and, uh, and then David, Samson, uh, formerly of the Marlins, tweeted about uh, how there's a problem that's not going to be fixed by players systematically tweeting about the broken system, to which Christian Yelich responded, you know, this is consistent with your anti-player rhetoric, uh, go off MVP of my heart. <laughs> uh, um, so, and, and like you mentioned in this piece, there's a lot of this kind of cross-pollination, pollinization. Is that a Cross word? Cross-pollination. you the first time. <laughs>
2: yeah. Go with it. Go. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: between like teams and players. I mean, they like you mentioned, it's this whole kind of unifying, um, idea that they're all rallying towards. Um, and I love seeing them all talk about this sort of thing. And it feels like the floodgates have opened. Um, that said, I think that, inarguably the more pressing issue overall in baseball is that of something like minor league wages. And I read a tweet the other day from Emily Walden, who writes about the Tigers farm system for the athletic. And she quoted this anonymous minor leaguer who was talking about wages and said, quote, "Uh, to say that we're not worth it until we're putting on a major league uniform. Why the fuck are we here? And first of all, Hell yeah, like right on. <laughs> um, but second of all, I would imagine that there's a lot of minor leaguers who share a similar mentality, but the anonymity of the quote suggests there's a fear of retribution, that there are a lot of ri- risks to speaking out on this sort of thing. To sum that long-winded question up, do you think that what what do you think that it would take to get the same sort of widespread vocalization to sweep across the minor leagues? Do you think that we are way off from that sort of thing just because they have so much to lose?
1: Yeah. So this was actually something that I thought a lot about in writing this. And originally I actually had wanted to look at both facets of this, the what could happen for minor league players and what's already going on right now with major league players. But I wasn't going to write like 5,000 words, so I just uh, <laughs> focused on the you know more popular half of that. But yeah, um, I think that the social media discourse you're seeing on the minor league side is really interesting, uh, limited as it is. Uh, there was Matt Paré, who was a Giants farmhand for about five years, who had a YouTube channel called the Homeless Minor Leaguer which he wasn't uh, literally homeless, but he was, you know, because of how little he was being paid, like all of them for quite a while there was in situations kind of close to homelessness, you know, yeah. crashing mm-hmm. on various couches all the time, whatever. I actually talked to him when I was writing this. Um, cause he now, he left baseball after I think six years and now is a social media producer for LeBron's company. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> uninterrupted, Uninterrupted, <yeah>. nice. <laughs> Yeah, because they saw his videos and were like, that's the kind of spirit we want. And anyways, yeah. So I think that that project was interesting, cause Homeless Minor Leaguer, it was mostly done through the lens of humor and making it funny. And um, it kind of got off the ground a little, even though it wasn't able to like really tackle these things head on. So I think that's an interesting case study in terms of like, okay, here's something that kind of shed a little bit of light on minor league pay without being necessarily as competitive as it could be in a way that, you know, he felt like he had to be scared of retribution um, or his teammates who were starring in the videos with him had to feel like they were scared and making themselves vulnerable. Um, So there's that. And there's, there have been a couple of minor league Twitter and Instagram accounts that anonymously crowdsource from minor leaguers um, just pictures of their situations. Like, you know, a game day spread that I know there was one of those accounts that had one where like a team didn't buy jelly for them. So they had like one loaf of bread and two jars of peanut butter. And it was like, this is your game day spread. (sighs) Um, Yeah. Like stuff like that. Or like, uh, you know, a bus ride throughout Texas when the air conditioner is broken. And, um, I feel like it counts like those. I would be really interested to see, to see if some of those get bigger and draw even more attention to it. Because I feel like that's probably the best launchpad for this kind of stuff because it's all anonymized. Um, I mean, obviously some of it, you could probably figure out the team or the league if you were really looking into it, but it's not individual players taking on the responsibility themselves to speak out. Um, And images like that, I feel like are so visceral. I mean, the numbers of a minor league salary itself should be jarring enough to get people to pay attention. You would think. Right. But clearly that hasn't quite been doing it, even though I think a Part of the problem is there is that a lot of people just don't know how little it is or think that they're being paid year round, think they're being paid to go to spring training when they're actively working, they're not being paid for that, which is astounding. Um, but yeah, like I think the images of it, of like this is what this lifestyle is like, like you know, it's insane, there's not great opportunities for adequate nutrition, adequate sleep, just in general for players to be able to take care of themselves, like all of that is totally absent. And there's no better way for that to get in the spotlight than for players to show it. And I think reasonably, of course, a lot of guys probably have fear of speaking out themselves because there's a lot of opportunity for retribution there. Minor leaguers don't have a lot of protections. There's no guaranteed contract here, but I would be really interested to see, um, If any of those anonymized accounts, which there have been a few that have all been kind of small and you can kind of tell usually it seems like one guy is running it for a while and maybe he gets promoted or maybe he drops out of baseball that they seem to pop up and die out after like a season or two. But I would be really interested to see something like that uh, expand and maybe shoot up because that seems like the best path I can see for that on social media to get some success there.
2: In talking about this, I'm sort of reminded of last year where Brendan Moss kind of had some of these similar sentiments in an interview that he gave on MLB Network. Um, Shout out to him. I'm wondering, like, the kind of churn of baseball, how much does that, like, wash away some of this stuff? Because there's so many games, and by the time the season starts, and by the time pitchers and catchers report, honestly, probably the majority of fans will forget about this. So I'm wondering, like, what... What do players do? Because they can't really, once they're in the locker room, they can't really be going out and giving these quotes all the time. And I I find it hard to believe that they'll be tweeting about this regularly. So, you know, once Bryce signs, once Manny signs, if we can use our imaginations to think to a world where that happens, even though we shouldn't (laughs) have to, uh, where does this go? And is this just going to continue to be an off-season thing? Or do you really see this having staying power?
1: I'm not sure. I I think you're right that, yeah, this will probably die down once the season starts. Like, not only are fans moving on, but players obviously have a lot more to think about. Um, (laughs) But the other part of that is that if there was going to be some sort of unified labor action to really take this on, you know, there's several years until the CBA expires. So there's not really any opportunity for. Immediate action if that's something that they want to pursue, if that's something they think is needed. So I'm not sure. And I'm honestly not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I can see there being a case to be made for having baseball itself finally be the center stage again. Reminds people why these players deserve to be paid, like why what they're doing is incredibly rare and something that, you know, is not replaceable. Yeah. And also, like, eases up on the exhaustion of it all that I think, you know, at this point, probably a lot of fans are maybe tired of hearing about this. Like, it feels like all that we've been talking about for months now, which is crazy. Um, (laughs) To be fair, it's been all we've
2: been given to talk about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I feel like everyone's just tired of it. And, you know, that probably doesn't do wonders for public opinion. So yeah, I guess in a sense, like maybe getting to be able to talk about something other than this isn't necessarily... Easing the pressure off it, it's maybe just letting it lay for a little bit, and maybe next offseason things might look a little different. Although I'm not optimistic.
0: A lot of this dialogue has basically concluded in that has culminated in that conclusion that baseball's financial structure is broken, and and whether it's an arbitration system that disadvantages like young players or or the significant lack of minor league player of minor league wages, clearly like something isn't working overall. And we've had our own discussions on this podcast about potential fixes, uh, whether it's like a a salary floor or just like eating owners entirely. Um, I'm I'm not going to fire all front office members. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I'm not going to ask you to, to reimagine baseball's entire financial system. Uh, on the spot, but I am kind of curious what you think is within the realm of possibility for negotiations. Once the CBA does come up for renegotiations in 2021, like what are some potential ways that players might push for addressing these issues?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what is most feasible here. Um, but I'd be really interested in seeing if there's a concentrated push to, uh, get free agency to start earlier, whether that's being arbitration eligible basically immediately after your first season, and then maybe just, I don't know, three or four years before you hit free agency rather than six. Mm -hmm. I'd be interested in seeing discussion around something like that. I'd be interested in seeing something that could potentially curb service time manipulation, although I'm not sure exactly how you approach that. And I think addressing those problems on like the front end of a player's career could do could go a long way for making sure that players are paid more fairly across the board that you know it's really hard to find a way to address what's going on with free agency right now in a way that has like in this set of like cohesive coherent regulations that could actually do something, but I think that working on the front end there might be able to just improve things generally. Although I, again, I'm not sure how uh, interested owners would be in easing up on that extremely cheap uh, cost controlled years that a player has at the beginning there. So we'll
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Owners wanting to, to penny pinch. I don't, I don't know. I don't, that doesn't seem like that's something they'd
2: be interested
0: in. But so different. Who knows?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. Well, okay. Obviously this is all very important work. Um, this is a great article. And we're very appreciative that you came on and talked to us for so long about it. But all that being said, maybe as a, as the outro to this, we can lighten up a little bit. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything that you're looking forward to most about covering this upcoming baseball season, because we've been having a really hard time. And a lot of the people that I follow and read and stuff have been having a really hard time being optimistic because of a lot of a lot of the things we've been talking about today. So is there something that you is there a ray of sunshine that you're looking forward to in 2019 once the games actually get going?
1: I actually haven't had to think about this so far. Like everything (laughs) I've been doing has been so focused on here are the problems and here are the, you know, even on like the more minor level of here's what's making people angry. Like, Debates over Universal DH. Like, nothing has been good.
2: Um, (laughs) And even the
1: the player who I would most compare to a ray of sunshine is Francisco Lindor. And now he's injured and is going to miss the beginning of the season. Um, I'm sure there has to be something. Do you guys have uh, (laughs) bright spots? Well, I think.
0: Um, I'm an A's fan, so (laughs) not exactly. Uh (laughs) It's certainly not our rotation. or anything like that.
2: Oh, I'm a uh, Mets fan, so I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this year. It'll be exciting. They got rid of Jay Bruce, and I was very frustrated by him many a time, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to see how semi-washed, maybe rinsed Robinson Cano is this year. <laughs> um, I, I'm looking forward to
0: uh, Vladito when he eventually stops being service time ma- manipulated.
2: And yeah, you even have to couch that in like a little bit of like negativity. <laughs> do, right? It's like, yeah, when they finally stop manipulating his service time, I'm looking forward to seeing one of the most exciting prospects in the last <laughs> few years.
0: <laughs> I think, what is it, like Baseball Prospectus has like projects him to be like the like has like the sixth highest batting average in baseball or something like that. Like it's insane. Like even the projection systems are like, yeah, he's already going to mash.
1: Yeah. It just, it feels unbelievable. And I feel like there's inevitably going to be a little bit of disappointment there because we're banking on him to be so much right away. (laughs) Um, But yeah, This is not the time to focus on the inevitable potential (laughs) disappointment.
0: (laughs) It's February. This is when you dream of everything will happen before your hopes and dreams get crushed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Emma, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. We really appreciate it. This has been a real treat. Before we let you go, uh, is there anything of yours that you want to plug? Where can people generally find your work?
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Emma Bachelary, uh, just my name, and I'm rating at Sports Illustrated online, and that is still around in print uh, if you're so inclined. So, nice. yeah, thank you for having me.
0: All right.
2: Shout out to Emma Bachelary. Again, I know she just said this, but you can go find her writing on sportsillustrated.com and in print. Subscribe to Sports Illustrated because why the hell not Su- support print journalism. Uh, subscribe to this, the Sacramento Bee while we're at it. Shout out to them. Good obituary of Frank Robinson. And subscribe, subscribe to Tipping Pitches. Honestly, if oh yeah. you not already. Good point. If you're listening to this at this late in the podcast, I feel like you are probably subscribed. Uh, but yeah. if you're not, Subscribe and tipping pitches, preferably on Radio Public, but also on any of your preferred podcast platforms. Uh, we don't discriminate, although we do prefer. Um, that's I think that's all we have for this week. It's good to have a guest again. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll work on doing that a little more because we're having a hard time pulling the load on our own. <laughs> 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 I I'm really hoping that uh, so spring
0: training is officially underway i guess pitchers and catchers have uh oh, yeah. reported for teams so i'm hoping news comes our way soon uh you know as we mentioned bryce harper still unsigned manny machado still unsigned dallas keichel still unsigned all these good players still unsigned um maybe uh, teams should sign one of us we cost a lot less money this um, is all they care we about we yeah exactly that's all they care about
2: we can't throw as hard but who cares you don't know that about um, me yeah true I don't I've know been really. going to driveline out here I didn't tell you <laughs> <laughs> it was me and Tim Lincecum and Trevor Bauer it's been a great hang um, <laughs> uh, weird vibes but great hang I, I, sh- I think we should mention I think I would be remiss if I let you off the hook without mentioning at least that the Kyler Murray news broke today uh, we speculated about this but he officially said he will choose football the A's are going to continue to pursue him. I guess I don't really know what that means, but yeah, I didn't want I didn't want to make you pour your heart out because you already kind of did that when he decided to declare yeah. for the NFL Combine. But you know, wanted to throw that in there at the end. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually that's actually really nice of you. I was feeling really good about this podcast until then, so I appreciate <laughs> you bringing me back down on notch or not, your three.
2: <laughs> well, okay, I have to root for the Giants this year. All right, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> sorry Austin alright that's all we got
0: <laughs> alright thanks y'all for listening we will be back next week with some more piping hot off season content Baby, you. the the
2: that's like the, the bar for me it's like if you like to acknowledge that I am like not just a gnat in the room uh yeah honestly that's a mood right there <laughs> just acknowledge me that's our sexual energy 2019 (laughs) acknowledge me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hope you cut that in at the end